Welcome to the new series covering chapters of Geography NCRT Class 10. Chapter 1 Resources and Development. So here is the brief content as to what we will be reading in this chapter. With no further ado, let's begin. So what is the meaning of the term resource? So here it says everything available in our environment which can be used to satisfy our needs provided it is technologically accessible, economically feasible and culturally acceptable. That is defined as resource. Now we know human beings heavily rely on natural resources. It could be both for building infrastructure or feeding the population. Now you need to understand that there is a cost associated with everything. If a resource can be easily extractable or usable, that's a good sign because it will heavily reduce the cost. So for that we need to have good technology. That is what is technologically accessible means. Now economically feasible. So previously in the videos I have told you the meaning of economics is resource allocation. If the particular resource cannot be allocated efficiently amongst the people, citizen or population, then it will be difficult to distribute because then the market forces are going to act on it like increase in prices or decrease in demand and that can actually make the market unstable and no country would like to have that. So that is the meaning of economically feasible. And then comes the term culturally acceptable. It is pretty easy to understand because it means that it needs to resonate with the community. Now I'll give you a very simple example for this. So if you see in the market we have multiple variety of single product. Do you know why is it so? Because everyone can resonate and accept it as per their own benefit. For example if someone, if a particular community or a particular person doesn't like something, some product, we can always have an alternative to that. So these kind of things are very important when it comes to resource. So this interdependent relationship is very important to understand. So I hope you get what I'm trying to say. Now let's read about the classification of resources. Now the resources can be classified in following ways. First is on the basis of origin. Then we have on the basis of exhaustibility. And third on the basis of ownership. And last on the basis of status of development. Don't worry we are going to go in detail about each one of them. So let's quickly go through this small diagram over here where it talks about the classification of resources. Resources are of two types that is natural and human man-made. And under natural we have two types again that is renewable and non-renewable. So renewable is something that can be replenished and non-renewable is the opposite of it. Under human resource we have again two things that is structure and institution and quantity and quality. And under renewable we have one that is biologically renewed. Another one is which is nature continues like wind, water and uh, solar etc. And under the biological we have two forms that is wildlife and plants. Similarly under non-renewable source we have two things that is recyclable and non-recyclable. So this was the classification of resources. So the first classification is on the basis of origin that is biotic and abiotic. So what is the biotic resources? These are obtained from biospheres and have life such as human beings, flora and fauna, fisheries, livestock, etc. The meaning of biosphere itself means where the living organisms exist. And then coming to abiotic resources, all those things that are non-living things. They are called abiotic like rocks and metals. So biotic means living organisms and abiotic means non-living things. And the second kind of classification is on the basis of exhaustibility that is renewable resources and non-renewable resources. So what is renewable resources? The resource that can be renewed or reproduced by physical, chemical or mechanical process that is called renewable or replenishable resource. Some examples are solar power, wind power, water, forest and wildlife. And further this kind of resource 
can also be divided into continuous or flow so the meaning of continuous is which does not have a stop for example wind energy and solar energy this will not be stopped anytime it will be continuous and by the meaning of flow we mean water forest or wildlife so water will come again in the river only if there is rainfall so if there is less rainfall there will be no water so it is dependent on certain other factors similarly forest and wildlife so we cut trees for wood and if we cut excess of trees this would lead to deforestation and we also know how much time it takes to grow one full tree and that is also dependent on certain factors like climate rainfall and other factors so these all comes under flow the next one is non renewable resources so it is simply the opposite of renewable resources which is that cannot be replenished for example minerals and fossil fuels because these kind of resources take millions of years for the existing organisms to decay and form fossils and on top of it it cannot be recycled so they get exhausted pretty soon and the third type of classification is on the basis of ownership whether the particular resource is individually owned or community based or nationally owned or internationally owned so what is the meaning of individual resources so they are owned privately by individuals for example farmers have land which are given to them by the government and at the end of the month or a particular year they have to make payment now coming to the urban side so we all have plots and houses and other properties so every individual has bought that land so they can do whatever they want to they can build a house on it or they can have a plantation or they can have a pasture land pond water well whatever they can do so any resource where an individual has the right to do whatever he or she wants to that is called individual resources the next is community owned resources so by the name community it means that it is accessible to all the members of the community some examples like grazing ground burial ground village pond public park picnic spots etc here you will not have individual rules because it is meant for public so everyone is given similar rights and the third one is national resources now basically every resource belongs to nation some are equally distributed and some are not for example land is not equally distributed to everyone so it is based on payment if you pay more money you will get larger piece of land that is all because the government has the legal power to acquire everything that's why you must have seen to build roads canals railway lines sometimes private properties are demolished of course they are paid a certain amount by the government but what i'm trying to say is that to build these roads canals and railways for public interest the government has the legal power to acquire private properties now all the minerals water resources forest wildlife everything within the political boundaries of a particular country the government has the control over all of this and that is why it is called as national resources and the last one is international resources so for this we have international institutions and bodies like the united nations and other such bodies so one good example of international resources is the oceanic resources for example any country that is near to the ocean or water body can have control over 200 km of ocean that is right from the land boundary of a particular country till 200 km of the ocean body and beyond that it is called open ocean and no individual country can utilize this and that country will not have any kind of jurisdiction that's why when a big ship passes by a country's border that is within the 200 km limit that particular country has the right to stop it check it or check for legal matters associated with it but if that ship is beyond the 200 km radius nobody can stop them because they don't have any jurisdiction they can they can flow freely on a open ocean 
and the last classification is on the basis of status of development that is potential developed stock and reserves now what is the meaning of potential resources it is a resource which is available in a particular region but that has not been utilized and one good example is the western part of india that is rajasthan and gujarat they have enormous potential for the development of wind and solar energy but we have not tapped on it so the meaning of potential is it has more ability but somehow it has not been used to its limit the next one is developed resources by the name of it it means developed it also means matured now resources that have been surveyed and their quality and quantity have been determined for example we know how much of coal is there in india similarly we also know how much of iron ore is there in the region of chota nagpur plateau so this has been done by scientific surveys and satellites and we have an estimation about their quality as well as the quantity so this is all because of the technology so with this information we can determine how much to use it how much not to use it and how much to preserve it again it is also helpful to determine how much to export and how much not to export so this all comes under developed resources and the next one we have is stock so the simple meaning of stock is you have a stock of something but you don't use that so similarly materials in the environment have the potential to satisfy human needs but human beings do not have the appropriate technology to access these one fine example for this is coal bed methane extraction so in india to extract coal we have open cast mining which means you simply blow a piece of rock or a land area with the help of dynamite and extract coal out of it so this kind of extraction is cost effective as well as easier when compared to underground mining underground mining can be dangerous as well as expensive now the whole idea behind coal bed methane extraction is that deep down there are chunks of coal present and to extract that the best form is to extract it in the form of natural gas so what they do is they simply find out the distance between the coal bed and the surface of the land i mean how deep it is and then they simply drill down there and then they pour hot steamy water into the coal bed so when hot water comes in contact with the coal bed methane is released from the coal and flows up as a gas and then methane is compressed and piped to market so this all needs state of the art technology and here the coal that is deep down inside the earth surface is there like a stock and to access that we need this state of the art technology so with this example i hope you get the meaning of stock and the third topic is development of resources so when we say development of resources we simply mean planning of resources because human greed is the reason behind depletion of resources at the speed at which we are consuming these resources it's soon going to be exhausted and after that we also have accumulation of resources and few hands only the rich and few people have access to certain resources for example in india how the reliance industry controls the electricity as well as the oil part of the natural resource similarly we have the tata steel and few other competitors who control the iron part of it so if you have few people controlling the large chunk of resources then the society is divided into two segments that is rich and poor and then not to mention global warming ozone layer depletion environmental pollution all are caused because of unthoughtful utilization of resources so this all problem calls for a proper planning of resources and with that it brings us to a new topic called resource planning in india so resource planning is a complex process for that we need to identify where the resources are located in the country 
then we need to do some surveys and mapping for the qualitative and quantitative estimation. So the Geological Survey of India does this work. So with the help of satellite and other forms of technology, it prepares an estimation as to how much of certain mineral or resource is available. For example, what is the quantity of coal left in our country or what grade of coal do we have? Because you see these all are important because these all determines the cost of that resources in the international market. And then we need to have proper technology skill and institutional setup for implementing resource development plans. Conservation of resources. So overutilization of resources will lead to socio-economic and environmental problems. So to overcome these problems, just like resource planning is important, we also need to do resource conservation. And the next topic is land resources. So land is the most important natural resource because it supports natural vegetation, wildlife, human life, economic activities like transport, communication systems, etc. So we also need a careful planning in terms of the usage of land. So India has a variety of relief features like mountains, plateaus, plains and islands. And all of this plays an important role in some way or the other. For example, it is because of the mountains that we have perennial rivers that flow continuously and forms some rivers. And because of the flow of these rivers, the plain lands of India has rich fertile soil for agriculture. And because of islands, we have huge coral depositions and that attracts a lot of water species and, and fisheries. And then the plateau regions are rich in reserves like minerals, fossil fuels and forests. So you understand how much land is important and what all we get from it. Now let's read about the utilization of land. So land is used for following purposes. First one, forest. So in India, according to the law, 33% of the land should be given to forest area because that will maintain the ecological balance. Then we have land not available for cultivation. So either they are barren or wasteland or the lands that are there in urban areas for building and roads and factories. And then we have other uncultivated lands such as lands that are permanent for pastures and grazing land. Then we have land that has been allotted to certain tree crops. And then we have the wasteland which is also called the dump land wherein all the city garbage is dumped. And then we have fallow lands. So fallow lands are those lands which are meant for agricultural purpose but due to some reason agriculture has not been performed for several years and the land is completely empty. And then we have the net sown areas. It is the total area where the crops are sowed which means that land is functional for agricultural purpose. Now let's read about the land use pattern in India. So the use of land is determined by both physical as well as the human factor. Now physical factors are topography, climate, soil type etc. And human factor is the population, density, technological capability and culture traditions. Now there is a difference in the land in the plain area and land in the mountainous region. Because in the plain area it is good for agriculture and in the mountainous area it is not that good for agriculture because the land is not suitable. Similarly climate is very important. If the climate is cold then the land in that region is suitable for certain types of crops. For example you see tea plantation. It is famous in the mountainous region of Darjeeling and in the hills of Koromandal region in south. So both this place has mountainous terrain and the temperature is comparatively cooler than the other parts of the country. And then we also have soil that determines the usage of land. So if a particular land has nice alluvial soil, it is good for agriculture. Now coming to the human factor, population density determines how many people are staying in a particular place. Usually you will see high density of population near the plain areas. That is the region of Delhi, UP, Bihar, 
Kolkata because there you have the tributaries of river Ganga and over the years it has formed plain soil which are good for agriculture. So you see how there is a relation between the physical factor and the human factor and then we have the technological capability. So places like Hyderabad and Bangalore which are the IT hub of the country meaning these places are technologically advanced. So it has given massive boost to the service sector and lot of people today are employed in these technological industries. So you see how technology plays an important role. And then we have the culture and traditions. Now places such as Banaras, Haridwar, these are the famous religious places in India. Again, the land use of these areas are, are so much determined by the human factors. So I hope you get what I'm trying to say. The next topic is land degradation and conservation measures. So this is a topic about how lands in India are getting degraded and what are the measures that we are taking to conserve it. You see how human activities has uh, brought degradation of land. So some of the uh, degradation is direct and some are indirect. So for example, cutting the trees in a forest is a direct cause of degradation of land because it can cause landslides and, and other natural calamities. Similarly, dumping industrial waste on a flat land or a, or a river causes damage to the soil and hence affecting the quality of agriculture produced on that land. So here are some activities which causes such degradation. They are overgrazing, then we have deforestation, then mining, querying. So all these things significantly contribute towards land degradation. So here are some of the places where you can see land degradation in excess. They are Jharkhand, Chhattisgarh, Madhya Pradesh and Odisha. These are largely affected due to mining. And then we have states like Gujarat, Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh and Maharashtra where overgrazing is done excessively. And then other states like Punjab, Haryana, Western Uttar Pradesh. So here over irrigation is responsible for land degradation. And then some of the industries like cement industry, ceramic industry. So all these releases industrial affluence and waste that becomes the major source behind degradation of land as well as water pollution. Now some of the steps or measures to solve the problems of uh, land degradation are afforestation which means planting more trees and then proper management of grazing. Sand dunes causes soil erosion so a good way is to grow thorny bushes that will stop the soil erosion due to sand dunes. So all these things you can just read up quickly proper management of wastelands, controlling of mining activities, proper discharge and disposal of industrial affluence. So these are some of the crucial steps that needs to be taken towards controlling of land degradation. And the last topic of this chapter is soils. So after land, it is the soil that is the most important resource. And it is also a renewable resource, remember that. Renewable means replenishes. So how do we get soil? Soil is brought down by the running flow of river. So every time a river flows, it brings large chunk of plain soil. That's why it is called renewable natural resource. Now it is very important for plant growth as well as it supports many types of living organisms. So if you look at this diagram, it shows us the soil profile. So on the top layer, we have the soil layer, which is called the upper soil layer. And below that we have the subsoil, which is the weathered rocks sand and silt and clay. So that's why in many places if you dig through the top layer, so just in a matter of few feet you will witness wet soil or in other words it's called silt or clay and below that we have the substratum which is called weathered parent rock material and then below that we have the unweathered parent bedrock. So when we say unweathered they are large chunk of rocks or boulders. So the meaning of weathering is over the time a piece of rock gets weathered into small pieces of debris which form soil. So unweathered means which is a still large solid chunk of bedrock. The next topic is 
the classification of soils. Now this topic is well covered in a separate video, soils that is of chapter 6 geography NCRT class 11. The link to the video is in the description as well as on the screen or you can also look at the top right corner of this video screen. You will see the notification tab of that video. You can click on that as well. So watch that video. It is going to be plain and simple and at the end of it hopefully you will be well versed with the different types of soil. And the last topic of this chapter is soil erosion and soil conservation. Soil erosion is defined as subsequent washing down of topsoil. These are caused again by two ways and they are one is human activities like deforestation, overgrazing, construction and mining and the other is through natural forces like wind, glacier, water and where there is soil erosion simultaneously there is also soil formation. So if soil goes from one place, it will go and accumulate in some other place as well. And during rainy season, you can see how the running water cuts through the clay soils and they form deep channels known as gullies. So if you look at this picture, gullies are something like this. Now there's something called sheet erosion. It means a complete sheet of topsoil is washed away. And how does that happen if there is a water flow on a large area? So in irrigation sometimes soil erosion is also caused due to wrong way of uh, plowing. You, so you have to plow in a straight manner. So if you do it in an uneven manner, so they will form deep channels and gullies will be formed. And that will actually take away the water. And with water, soil will be eroded. Now there are ways to avoid soil erosion. So one such way is terrace cultivation. So it is mainly practiced in areas of western and central Himalayas. So what they do is in between the crops, they'll grow a strip of grass. And what that grass does is it holds the soil together and doesn't let the soil flow from each column to another. And this method is called strip cropping. So these are some of the methods to stop soil erosion. Now everything in this world has pros and cons. Now if we have to benefit something out of it, we also have to be aware of their cons, consequences as well as their solutions. And with this, we have come to an end of this chapter. I hope you have found this informative. If you enjoyed these videos and see a purpose behind watching them, please like the video and comment down below. Until then, catch you guys later and talk to you guys on the next one. Peace.